Searching for something to put a smile back on your face Just remember in unusual times it can come from an unusual place You need a partner for the ride Cause everybody needs a climb So set your worries to the side Shit 90 Shows Taught Me was not filmed before a live studio audience. Welcome back to Shit 90 Shows Taught Me. I'm Jess Sterling here with my co-host, Sarah Ferguson. Sarah, how are you? Jess, I am doing so well. I am already feeling the fall weather. Get me my turtlenecks. Get me my Reese's. I am red day for some Halloween coverage. Yeah, it is October, and you know what that means? It's spooky season, and you know what that means? It's time to talk about the Adams Family again. Yeah. This is yeah. the first time. Well, yeah, we're just covering the last movie over again, right? The first movie that we covered last year over again. Is that <laughs> no. what we're doing? No, no? we're doing Adams Family okay. Values. Apparently, this is the one that everyone – I was wondering why everyone was so obsessed with Wednesday when we covered Adams Family, the first one originally. Not yeah. that I don't love Christina Ricci. We all know I'm a huge fan of hers, but because I was like – she doesn't have the biggest part in it. And I was a little confused why everyone was so obsessed with her, why she even got a movie, like a whole show spinoff eventually. Um, and then we watched Adam's Family Values. And I was like, I'm in. I You're in. get it. Yeah. I'm in. But of have course, you seen this film before? I had never seen this film before. Really? Reason being, I've said this on the podcast before, I, as a child, if something even looked remotely scary, I wasn't yeah. going to watch it. And like, if you look at just the the poster <laughs> it doesn't it looks spooky it looks terrifying and so i just assumed yeah. it was scary and i didn't watch it i um, would say it's more kooky than spooky oh definitely kooky but i wish i had watched this as a kid because i would have loved it um but before we get too far into that sarah um there's been a third child uh in our in our family sarah. okay i've done this before i've had a, an additional sibling before and i did not act well to this news like actually yeah. like did I you try to decapitate of... them honestly not <laughs> not to them off i was a terror to my new sibling uh so i was like six years old when my sister was born and like i definitely tried to trip her as a baby and all this shit but um so i'm gonna be so much better this time around well, let's hope uh, you don't attempt to chuck our new uh, guest off of a building. <laughs> uh, welcome I, I kind of want to. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Todd the Librarian. Todd, how are you? I, I'm good. I wish I had more time to stick out the dark forces and join their hellish crusade. But other than that, things are going well. <laughs> yes. I'm, um, I'm not sure how I feel about being chucked off a building by Sarah, but I uh... <laughs> will have to catch you first. I, I just I don't I don't like splitting attention and this just feels very <laughs> triggering to me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> now we're splitting it three ways. So <laughs> 
Um, we're here covering Adam's Family Values, 1993 film. Todd, I remember last year you were like, if you cover Adam's Family Values, please, please, please think of me. And we did. So tell us why you were so adamant about wanting to talk about this movie. I love this movie. Uh, this came out when I was in college. I saw the theater at our dollar theater in, in Stillwater, the Satellite Twin in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Saw this multiple times there when it came out. Uh, I liked the first Adams Family movie. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. I, I didn't didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. It was, it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, so this came out. I'm like, okay, another one. Fine. And then the magic of this one just sucked me in. Like you said, like Wednesday's part is so much bigger and she has so many great lines, but also Debbie. I love yeah. this. This is the movie that made me fall in love with Joan Cusack. Like, How I'd couldn't seen, you after this? Yeah, I'd seen her in a few things before, but I don't think I ever really realized I'd seen her in things before. You know, she'd been like a bit mm -hmm. part supporting roles in some things, but this is the movie that made me go, I love her. The The Malibu Barbie sequence is like <laughs> one of my favorite things in film of all time. Um, so yeah, I, just, I love everything with Debbie. I love everything with Wednesday. Uh, the Everything at the camp is just hilarious. There's just so much great stuff in here. There's also just this very random thing that was like an inside joke in our, uh, in my dorm regarding a, uh, you know, swing low, sweet chariot. And then whenever we went to see the movie and he started singing that and like had this mm -hmm. extra special thing because like everyone in our group from my, my dorm just started kind of screaming in the theater because mm -hmm. he started singing this thing. It was an inside joke. That's like a very not safe for work type inside joke type thing. So we're just like, we're not expecting it. Uh, so yeah, uh, lots of, lots of uh, great memories about Adam's family values. Yeah, it's, it is an incredible film. And I think what makes this one stand out to me much more than the first one is obviously Wednesday's part is much larger and we get, I think the the best part about Adam's family is whenever that family is interacting with like your, your normies, you know, like when they're at the camp and literally Wednesday's entire bunk are just blonde children. Um, it's just the best because they don't fit in at all. And now that they have a new baby pubert, um, who like has daggers as a mobile and like wears a um, Silence of the Lambs mask on his face, is born with a mustache and very dark hair. It's just so funny, but I would agree with you, Todd. Like Joan Cusack as Debbie in this film is absolutely phenomenal. Because at first they got me, Sarah. They got me good. I was like, oh my God, they're going to have as soon as Uncle Fester was talking about how he wanted to find love, I was like, yes, we're getting a love interest for Uncle Fester. Mm -hmm. And then Debbie shows up and I'm like, oh, she's weird. Okay, perfect. Seems like a perfect match. And then we find out her backstory about how she's like killed every one of her husbands. And this has been her plan the entire yeah. time. How'd she I get so duped? I just, I don't know. I just took it at face value. I wasn't thinking deeply about Adam's family we, values. We you know? already know that Uncle Fester can't like hold on like to himself on his own you know like he didn't he get like body snatched last movie like he's not a responsible adult of course he's gonna fall in love with a black widow character who's gonna try to murder him mm -hmm. unsuccessfully over and over again she really she does her darndest yeah she tries to kill him a lot of yeah. different ways i will say uh piggybacking on to Todd's Malibu Barbie scene, I feel as though that is a justified reason to be angry 
and turn against, uh, I don't know, being a good person because I feel as though I too can understand like wanting a toy so bad and then not getting it and just your whole world is awful. And, and I feel into a serial killer. I would say like, I'm surprised I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Probably I mean, because you I were... think you'd, you'd make an actively bad killer. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about throwing me off a building earlier. So I think the yeah. seeds are there. I think that there is a potential. <laughs> I just think you lack the follow through, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, um, the, uh, uh, the apathy that. I was just going to say, you're not passionate enough for it. I don't think you just love to kill, you know? No. I think you have to I, love it. It seems a little messy, but yeah. I, I do appreciate a PowerPoint presentation and I do understand, like, I, as a child, all I wanted in the world was a Razor scooter. I wanted it so bad. Mm -hmm. I asked my parents. I begged my parents. They said, no, no, no. You Why would they not hoe. give you one? Would you, you were going to hurt yourself or something? I guess that's what they were worried about. But they're like, no, you may not have it. But guess who did get a Razor scooter? Your younger sister? My younger sister. Um, wow. So I understand, like, I understand that Debbie is upset and really, really feels as though that she has been done wrong in this world. And maybe if I had access to flames, I would have set my childhood home on fire. I did try with my easy bake oven, but I was thwarted and that was taken away from me because I left the light bulb on too long. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that tracks to me, I think. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the cast. Obviously, we have a lot of repeats here. We have Angelica Houston as Morticia, iconic. Uh, her and uh, Raul Julia as Morticia and Gomez are just the best couple. Like they're they're very schmoopy. Um, but it's a little much for me. But the way they do it is so funny. And obviously, I think the standout moment for them in my um, like mind is when they do the dance. So they have this like double date with fester and debbie and they go to this restaurant and they get up and dance and my favorite part todd is when um uh when he spins when gomez spins morticia uh because she like touches another man's face and he spins her and there's just flames on the floor in the little line where she spins it's a, an incredible dance yeah, yeah. I, uh, I know we, we heap a lot of praise on Christina Ricci and uh, Joan Cusack, but I just have to say, Raul Julia as Gomez is also just genius-level casting. He mm -hmm. gives it his all in this movie, and I love Gomez as well. Uh, but yeah, that that's it's a really fun sequence, like going super over the top. Super over the top sometimes works for me, sometimes doesn't. Like the stuff with Hubert at the end, like the Deus Ex baby to like save everything, it's a little much for me. But something like this was a lot of fun with the flames and the super speed spinning. That was a, a really fun sequence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really sad to me. Like Sarah, we talked about this a little bit of the when we covered Adam's family, but like that Raul Julia like died basically. Um, right after uh this film was released which is really sad because he i like i feel like he would have had like an actually incredible career beyond these films uh mm -hmm. just given how good he is here like how upset he, uh, gomez is when he thinks fester has like deserted them <laughs> it's so funny he's so good at it do we know what happened like why how he passed um, it, 
I know it's, it was some sort of tragic accident that took place on October 24th, 1994. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, complications from a stroke, it's, it says. Yeah. So sad. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think that he's like a really talented actor. Like, I think that he's a really talented character actor. I think that he played the part of Gomez like impeccably. And it's always like so tragic when somebody dies so soon with so much talent. Um, but I, I do appreciate watching him in this film. And I do think it's very interesting because we often talk about in film and TV, the sophomore slump, like the second or the sequel uh, season or movie is always like considered weaker than the first. But mm -hmm. I do think that like this is pretty unanimous that this is a stronger film than the first and a more entertaining film. So I, I kind of wanted to give like, you know, props to to that. And I'm I'm curious if like we would have gone a third if he didn't if Raul didn't have like a untimely passing. I mm -hmm. think we probably would have. Yeah. I've tried yeah. to think so. It was so popular. I can't imagine that we wouldn't have had another one if there hadn't been something. Especially like with on. the I could definitely see more focused on Wednesday as well. Just because of how much Christina Ricci blew up as well. Like the whole cast is just like incredible. I'd be shocked if we hadn't have gotten a, a third. Um, and like you were saying, Uncle Fester, I'm trying to remember. I feel like he, yes, he was involved in the first movie, but it feels like he has a much larger role in in this one. I don't know that the whole thing was revolved around him. Was it the, the, the first, first one? one? Yeah, because yeah. it was like he um was like lost and then he like came back right and he and didn't have a memory or to, something right well he well no he well yes but it was that like they somebody was impersonating him that's right but okay he was impersonating himself without realizing he was impersonating himself basically. sure that's yeah, yeah, right yeah yeah, but yeah, so I think he was a big he was a big part of the first one, but he wasn't really Fester in that one. He was someone pretending to be. He was yeah, he stood out Fester. way more in this film. Like Christopher Lloyd is incredible. I mean, obviously everyone knows that. Anybody who likes Back to the Future like already knows that. But he's I he's so funny as Uncle Fester just because <laughs> like it's all about like the the way he looks is ridiculous. But then of course once he marries Debbie and like is wearing this like white jacket and like. His, her attempts at killing him and how he just finds them so funny. Like, it's just, it's incredible. I don't know. Something, Christopher Lloyd there, really did it for me in this film. There's one bit of physical comedy. Like, right after a, a Debbie's getting right, so she leaves with the present, with the, which is the bomb wrapped up. Yeah. And she leaves, and he, like, goes back to the kitchen. He does this, like, he sends his arms out like an airplane, and does this little dancing, spinny thing as he's going to the kitchen. It's just, like, this this joyous movement from him, mm -hmm. and it's just so funny to me every time. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd just really is living it up. The scene where the family shows up, and he's, like, crouched in the corner, and, like, just like, no, go away, go away! Mm -hmm. You know, he's, like, in agony because... And Debbie's like showing him her breasts and he's like, oh, I, I, I want that so much. And just like everything he does in this is just perfect. <laughs> yeah, he really is a perfect Uncle Esther. Um, and then we already talked a little bit about Debbie, the addition of Joan Cusack. And just she fits right in. Like, it's kind of incredible how a new character feels like they were kind of always there. Um, and she's really good at playing like this wild character but you still like love her 
because she it, it's she almost feels like a Cruella Deville type of yeah. of um evil Sarah. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I think that she it's not like she's like lovable because honestly she's like a menace. She just like marries and kills her husbands, but and it's not like you're rooting for her either. But the way she does it is just like I think that it's just so characterized, caricaturized that you're just like, wow, like pop off you like freaking nut and a half, like <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think that. You know, like you want her to get caught, but the all the different methods. I mean, she just kept failing. But wouldn't you know, like, wouldn't you know, like all these people have some sort of I don't know, like if they have superpowers or they're like witches. I don't even know what's going on with them. But the baby has fire. So you would think that like <laughs> you would need something more than like blowing him up. You know what I mean? We yeah, need it, like well, she tries to electrocute him, and that just like he does the light bulb in the mouth trick, so that doesn't right, work. Right, you would. I just like I, she's not that smart because you would think like they're not stand. And also, does does Uncle Fester even have money? I don't even know. But you would like we need something more, more than like your typical like a uh, toaster in the bathtub, and something more than your typical like bomb. For this family. I think the problem is she's using the same sorts of things she would do on like a normal. A normal person. Older rich person that would work. But she doesn't Mm -hmm. realize that like this is the Adams family. This isn't a normal family. You can't use your normal methods. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think she understands just how. She knows they're abnormal because how could you not know that they're abnormal? But I don't think she realizes how abnormal they are. And just how resistant to damage they are. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we have Christina Ricci playing Wednesday Adams and Jimmy Workman playing Pugsley Adams. I really enjoyed what we got of them. I, obviously, like Wednesday steals the show for the most part, I would say, uh, when, when they're at the camp. But getting more of Christina Ricci, like you can see how, e- how much of a star she already was at such a young age. Like this character can't be easy to play. You know, they're so deadpan and dry and just always have this like pout and not even a pout like a uh, like an angry look on her face like how it's i feel like it would be very difficult to pull that off but she's so good at it yeah, yeah. there's like one one scene that just always stands out to me is whenever she's basically is pulling a con on the can the counselors to, to make them think that the harmony hut has worked on her and she like pulls out that smile the smile is so good it's just so good just watching her go from that deadpan look to kind of sort of pained expression as he tries to do this like it's this smile with the crazy eyes and just like the transition there is so good and i I love that but just like again like just how talented an actress she was at this age to just pull off a, a comedic thing like that and she just delivers all the lines just so beautifully things like we just want to play with them especially his head you know things like that (laughs) just like oh man she is a talent right like she's like i don't know if i would say that she's underrated but like i i just like feel as though like in this day and age she's just like not like talked about as much or appreciated but she really is and has been a constant talent ever since the early 90s and like i just like appreciate how much range she has as an actress and like she's still working today i obviously just covered that creepy show where people (laughs) ate people 
but she, like she's uh, the best thing about yellow jackets she is far and away i yeah. love yellow jackets and uh -huh. it's an amazing show but she is far and away the best thing about yellow jackets when it so shows happy. her range because yeah. her character in that is much more chatty and like um she is still very like creepy um but in a very very different way so she does have like she does have that range in in her in her back pocket it's just so impressive that she's so young in this and she is in my opinion just like the standout beyond obviously Joan Cusack is incredible but like Wednesday to me night and day from like the first one where it was like you saw little bits of how talented she was but she is full on in display in this film of going up against um these like little blonde kids I don't even know any of their names because it doesn't they're all just white blonde girls like all look the same you know what <laughs> I feel as though that this movie is a little bit rude <laughs> yeah and i also kind of feel like they're a bunch of haters except for the fact sarah did you yeah. not i mean tell me i immediately recognize the character of joel who is an also another new addition to this uh this like universe yeah the jewish uh, kid he's a little jewish kid the uh played by david crumholz did you recognize him immediately no, I don't know who this is. You, oh, yes, you do. Yeah, you absolutely. Okay, first of all, he's in literally everything, but most notably, like, he is a big 90s guy because he is, he's Michael in 10 Things I Hate About You. He's the guy who gets a dick drawn on his face. Oh. Do you, you know him? Uh, <laughs> I kind of recognize him more from the Santa Claus because he plays, like, that sassy the elf. elf. Yeah, yeah, the sassy one that, Yeah, that, like, yells at Santa. I mean, Todd, please talk sense into Sarah. He's in literally everything. Isn't he in Numbers? That yeah, num numbers. numbers was like okay. a big show, that the TV shows on. Yeah, he has been in a ton of things. 10 Things oh. I Hate About You is definitely one of the things that I always think about. He's uh, in Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, he was in an episode of Oh, Freaks he was too. in Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, yeah, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that I care or will ever watch that movie? You sh no, you definitely would hate it. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. do not want to watch not that for movie. you. Yeah, yeah, but he's he was... just in he's just in everything. Like I I don't know. He's just one of those guys that just shows up and he always is playing this like nerdy white Jewish guy. <laughs> like, that's that's who he pretty, is. Pretty much. Yeah, he is definitely very typecast. I think the only time he's not playing the nerdy white Jewish guy is in Serenity, the movie based on Firefly, but he's still playing the nerdy white guy. Well, and the Santa just, Claus <laughs> because like I assume he might be Catholic as an elf. I <laughs> I think like so. I'm pretty sure that he's like a Jewy elf. Okay, so maybe he's, <laughs> he's he seems a little Jewish to me. I want to know how Joel wound up at this summer camp when he could have went to a respectable summer camp like the one that I went to, Camp Ponytail and Lewis Village in Pennsylvania. He could have went to Jewish sleepaway camp like me. He could have had Shabbat dinners on Friday. How did he end up here with all these wasps? That's a good question. I do think it's a thing. It's a, it's a camp for the privileged. They say that multiple right. times. It's a camp for privileged people. So I feel like it's one of those things where his parents probably saw the advertisement and they might be like maybe nouveau riche. They may have just like gotten into money and think, oh, well, this now that we're part of the, you know, the upper class, this is where we need mm -hmm. to send our kid. I think mm. that's the definitely the, the thing that I got. Especially like they were so upset to see him cast as a Native American in the play. It feels like his parents are like trying to like, you know, a, uh, are much more status obsessed than a uh, right. anything else. So I feel like that and was probably the impetus. 
it also feels like his family because he he's the one who like comes in he has like a an, an inhaler he like doesn't look like an outdoorsy type of kid and i felt like his parents were really trying to like push him into like trying new things and maybe that's why he ended up here but yeah he also ends up at camp camp chippewa and of course as a as a fellow outcast wednesday immediately is like looking at him like ooh, that's a cute boy which is you know uh their their relationship throughout this film is very fun yeah um go ahead so so you mentioned like all the blonde kids and kind of merge together but there's one who stands out and that's amanda amanda buckman like the Mm -hmm. main antagonist do Mm -hmm. either one of you recognize her at all because you have both seen her in at least two things before this (laughs) i think will said she was in dawson's creek but when he mentioned the title of or name the name of the character i was like i have no fucking idea who that is so so i looked it up so first of all she was in the first Adam family movie she's the girl scout that tries to sell girl scout cookies to oh okay so she's making a repeat appearance yeah so she's like like that the one brief appearance in the first one okay Uh, then she was in dawson's creek in your all-time favorite episode which island? She was the she's wife. She's the child. She's, oh, she's the, the wife. She's the wife. Uh, like, she's the wife of the guy that died. Yeah, the, the drug the, addict the, in the Joey Only episode. The Joey Only uh, episode. You uh, remember she meets with the guy's wife. That's her. That is. Yeah. Why, I, no wonder I was like, I don't know who that. He said the name, and I was like, I don't know any character by that name. So she yeah. probably was only in one episode, and it wasn't memorable. So, so those are two things that you guys would know Mercedes McNabb from. What well, I, think I know also Mercedes she's McNabb in from Buffy. Buffy. Yeah, she yeah. was a, a recurring character in Buffy. And she's like a pretty important recurring character in Buffy. So, so apparently always, she's famous. Yeah. I uh, I wouldn't say famous, but she definitely has been. <laughs> <a few, laughs> but but, uh, but no, I, uh, it's always fun to go back and see young Mercedes McNabb. Because I remember whenever she was on Buffy, my big thing was like, oh! It's the it's the bratty girl from Adam's Family Values. You know? Yeah, but, uh, that's so. really fun. Interesting. Yeah, because there were there were two other people I recognized. It wasn't it wasn't her. Um, one obviously being Christine Baranski because hi iconic. She's a little camp counselor, which was so funny because I feel like nine times out of ten, whenever I see her in something, she's usually playing a bit of a snooty character, and so to see her as like this very like fun loving energetic camp counselor was really different. I mean, um, she but, was a bit snooty as well. Yeah, I guess she does. She's a bit of like, uh, if it's an upper class camp and, you know, yeah, yeah, I guess so. But it was a different type of snooty than what she usually plays. True. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, and the other person I recognized was uh, Peter um, McNichol. McNichol. Yeah. And yeah. I, mostly because I feel like he plays these like one-off characters in shows I've seen. Um, so Todd, you, I'm sure you're more familiar with him. Yeah, so for me, well, the first thing I ever, he was actually the the hero in a 1980 fantasy film called Dragon Slayer, which I loved <laughs> as a kid. He's kind of like this, this nerdy guy, this nerdy, like, magician's apprentice who becomes a dragon slayer. Uh, it was like a, yeah. I, I loved it as a kid. But the other thing that I I really knew him from was yes. Ally McBeal. Ally McBeal. I love Ally McBeal. He was the biscuit on Ally McBeal. Yeah. Uh, like one of my favorite characters. Interesting. So I loved was, Ally McBeal. I that loved the, the early sh- seasons of Ally McBeal. <laughs> hey, hey, okay. So you're upset like all of us did when uh, they took away Robert Downey Jr. because of obviously his personal issues. And then everything went to shit. Yeah, it's it's like many of uh, David E. Kelly's shows. David E. Kelly was the creator of that. He kind of has the uh, 
Same problem as the man whose name I am blanking Ryan on. Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy. Thank you, Ryan Murphy. You knew yep. exactly who I was talking about. I did. Where his shows will start off amazing, and then yep. he will get bored with characters and bring yep. on new characters, but still keep the old characters around. So like this ensemble of 30 people, mm -hmm. and these people that you used to love are just kind of sitting in the background getting... Jane Krakowski was like a standout character of the first season yes. of Ali McBeal, yeah. and then just like criminally underutilized because uh, they got bored with her, and so she's just sticking around, nothing. Lucy Liu, same thing happened to her. Like yep. So many great actors just kind of stuck on this show not doing anything because we like, oh, let's bring Hayden in James Pantier. Marston. Let's bring oh. in this guy. Let's bring in Robert What about Jr. Hayden Pantier? Peter Pantier. Oh, Peter. Peter Pantier. Pantier. Oh, man. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's the... Peter McNichol, like you said, he's been in tons of things. He was on... I believe he's on The Good Wife for a while. He was on Beat for a while. He's been on... Can like, I tell you what I recognized him from, Todd? What? Grey's Anatomy. Oh, that's right. That's he played right. a character who like was trying to seduce April or something, but he was like a jerk. I remember. Um, but he also apparently was in Numbers, which is yeah. As you were saying, yeah, he was one of the main characters in Numbers. He was like the one of the best friends of a uh, David Crumholtz's character. Yeah, but something I hadn't realized was how much voice work he does. Like so much of his IMDb is is voice work from a lot of like. For me, familiar shows I watched as a kid, like he was on Cat Dog, um, in the Angry Beavers, um, which <laughs> ew, Cat Dog. I, I think you. Cat Dog. We is have disgusting. a '90s podcast, Sarah. You're not allowed to yeah. ew Cat Dog. No, every single time we bring it up, I think I ew. It's disgusting. How is it? What is it? Are you wondering how they poop? No, I just think they're oh. creepy and gross. Creepy. Anyway, yeah. Um, that's about that's about the cast. I I would say. Uh, yeah. we have a few other like notable side characters that we can kind of mention as we as we talk about the the movie. But let's segue into talking about this film, um, and kind of the the plot itself, which is like we start off with the birth of baby Pubert, um, and Wednesday and Pugsley are not happy. They're like, well, when in, there's a third kid, one has to be killed. Like that's it. That's the rule. <laughs> one has to die. One must die. They try so many ways to kill this baby. They try to do like a, what are those, a guillotine? guillotine they try to yeah. kill it via guillotine, but the baby grabs the guillotine. They try to chuck the baby off of um, the roof, which I think, isn't it just like Gomez just so happens to open the window and catch the baby at the same time? Yeah. Um, what were the other, what were the other ways they tried to kill? Oh my goodness. I, the, the guillotine is like the one I remember the most. Uh, mm -hmm. They had like, they tried to drop like an anvil on it and That's Debbie right. picked it up just in time. Um, I feel like there's, uh, oh man. It feels there's like so it, many good ones. It feels like there's and several, it's... but the guillotine is the most, because they do such a theatrical thing around the guillotine that it's the one that sticks in my head the most. Yeah. Sarah, this feels very home alone to me, is watching them create up all these ways to try to kill this baby. Yeah, I mean, each one better than the next, but this baby mm -hmm. has superpowers and has fire, like I said earlier. So <laughs> fire. We, it, you can't kill that baby. No. Um, but this and... is what prompts them to get a nanny because they're like, okay, well, we need, we now have three kids. Like yeah. we, we should get a nanny. And the kids and... are acting out. They need some yeah. child rearing. Yeah. And so they get Debbie who fits right in seemingly at first. 
Um, but Wednesday immediately is like, she's suspicious. Like she's fucking sus as hell. I don't trust her. Uh, and Debbie, as, as Wednesday is getting like more and more on to Debbie's tricks, Debbie is like, oh, comes up with this ruse of, well, I'm going to get the kids to go to summer camp so that I can do my dirty work without being interrupted. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, Wednesday, I think in the last film was the only one that was like suspicious as well. I really think that she has a great eye for, um, uh, I don't know, detective work. Like maybe she could be a junior detective. Maybe mm-hmm. in the babysitters club. Yeah. Yeah. But she she's the only one that can see through like see through. Like even even Morticia, who you would think would be on to people, all she's interested in is the D, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really does seem that way. Like Morticia and um and Gomez are just so distracted by their love all of the time. Relatable. Especially when the baby <laughs> they're trying to kill the baby and there's all these loud noises and they're just trying to have some one-on-one time out by the graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think I understand. Sometimes <laughs> you just want to be focused on the one you love, and that's it. I get it. It's okay. Moving on to Camp Chippewa. <laughs> I, I did want to say one thing in this sequence, like we had like a little montage of Wednesday and Pugsy with the different nannies. And mm-hmm. okay, my favorite one is there's one nanny who starts talking with the puppet and Wednesday just like brings out this little devil puppet. It's like, you know, <laughs> I say, I'll do my homework if you sell your soul. And she makes the devil puppet like rub its hands together. It's like mm-hmm. the cutest and creepiest thing on the face of the planet at the same time. And I love it. Yeah, it's incredible. All the we have um Cynthia Nixon was one of the one of the random nannies that doesn't end up uh getting hired, which was fun. Um and so yeah, so Wednesday and Pugsley are off to Camp Chippewa, which I think is Wednesday is the one who says that it's Chippewa means orphan. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Um and and yeah, so this is where they meet all the all the blonde uh children and the camp counselors. And, of course, they stand out immediately, except for Joel, who Wednesday is just like, oh, okay, hi, nice to meet you. Um, Very, very quickly, Debbie and Fester are engaged. And they, I think what they, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, but to get, I think, is it Fester's mother's ring or something? They dig up her dead body. Like, literally, Debbie is a gold digger. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I believe so. I believe that's uh, what they're having to do there. So It's very fun. Um. And yeah, like Debbie doesn't care for the atoms, but she does, she's able to fake it well enough, right? Like, I think it's, is it after their, or maybe it's at their wedding where she meets cousin it and then they have the baby what? I think it's at the wedding. Um, yeah. And it's just a ball of hair. <laughs> it's disgusting. That baby was cute. The hair, you mean? <laughs> the hairball. Yeah. Yeah. You're not talking about pubert. No. Oh, you didn't think Pubert was cute. Only when he had his golden curls. Oh, you. Oh, okay. So you only like blonde <laughs> children. I understand. Uh, that yeah, is that exactly tracks. what I'm saying. That yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Uh, and so, so they do get married, and this is when you know. They, then we see like they have this. They have this really lovely honeymoon, and this is when she first attempts to kill Lester by doing the boombox in the bathtub trick. Unfortunately, and that doesn't work. I, I do have to stop you. It's Fester, not Lester. Oh my god, I say Lester, I meant Fester. Yeah. 
Lester Fester, you know, she tries to kill him by throwing a boombox into a bathtub and it doesn't kill him. And she's getting very frustrated. And so she says, listen, this is like a whole, this is a whole other con, which is wild. Where, correct me if I'm wrong, but she, they, she like, she, he says he's like a virgin and yes. she's like, well, the rule is once we, once we have sex, you're not allowed to talk to your family. <laughs> yeah. And I don't understand why, because she said, I can't be like, uh, having sex with you because then I'll envision your family or something like that. It's or your family will envision me having sex with you. Something like that. No. So basically she's like, I, I can't have sex with you if I think that you love anyone else other than me so basically oh. it's like you know you have to prove that i am the most important thing in your right. life and the only way to prove you're the most important thing oh. you know is to never see your family again and once i'm assured of that then i can sleep with you so that's kind of the logic oh. so he's forced wow. to cut ties with the adams which of course devastates <laughs> gomez he, he just lost his brother it. he gets he goes through a very deep depression yeah very comical again like the way uh role julie plays this is so funny like he he's so talented at it and uh so yeah so he he cuts ties and um this is when pubert who again when pubert is born is like dark dark black hair parted down the middle even has a tiny gomez mustache pale pale skin just as macabre as like the rest of the family um suddenly without uncle fester around he now he has blue eyed rosy cheeks blonde hair he's a chin everyone is like oh no he's hideous. he looks like one of james vanderbeek's children he, does. <laughs> he really does and this is when uh we haven't talked a ton about uh grandmama um grammy carol kane yeah Granny. whose mom is this um, I believe this is supposed to be uh, Morticia. Morticia's. It has to be Morticia's because they dug up, I think, the dead body of Gomez yeah, right. and, and, and Fester's mom. Um, but yeah, she's just like, well, the reason he's like this is because um, uh, Fester is missing. Or he's not, you know, he's not around. And so we need to bring him home for the baby to be back to normal. Uh, and it's so funny, like one of the scenes later where <laughs> Morticia is like reading Cat in the Hat to baby Pubert in like a really adorable, normal looking nursery. And she looks so depressed. <laughs> yeah. And she reaches the end like, oh, that's too bad. He lived. <laughs> She's just so, so, how dare this children's story not have well, a sad ending? Okay. I hate the Cat in the Hat. I think the Cat in the Hat is a real dick. So I wish he did die at the end. I mean, yeah, he's he's awful. He is an awful, yeah. awful character. So. He's the rudest and the like. He just fucks everything up. He's he. I I don't like the cat in the hat. I don't um, like him. Yeah, no, he he is a bit of a disruptive kind of guy. <laughs> he just ruins everybody's day and stresses everybody yeah. out. I was more of a green eggs and ham kind of girly than a cat in the hat girly. No, because I don't want green eggs nor ham either. I don't want any of it. Well, you just you just aren't happy then. You're just never happy with the options. You know, Dr. I, Seuss is just like not a chill dude. I was more of a there's a walket in my pocket uh, kid. That was my, my favorite. That you know which one I hated? My was Oh, the Places You'll Go. What a fucking waste of time Wait, that book was. Which one is the one where it's like the little dudes go into the machine to be hot shit and then like they get stars on their bellies and then like it's cool to not have a star on the belly. So then they go into the machine to get the star removed from their bellies. Uh, no it's the idea. Sneetches, right? 
snitches. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. It's basically a thing. It's like, be who you want to be and don't copy like your surroundings. Oh, yeah. Starbelly sneeches. Yeah, the Starbelly sneeches. Yeah. Is that what the book's called? Sneeches. The sneeches and and other stories. Yeah, the sneeches and other stories is what the book is called. I never ever read that one. Yeah, I haven't read it either. I'm aware of it. I've heard of it because of like the big metaphor of it all. But it's not one that I had as a kid. No, mine were definitely Green Eggs and Ham was the one I read the most. And then I also loved How the Grinch Stole Christmas because I'm a basic bee. Yeah, definitely. Green Eggs and Ham, Hop on Pop, Walk It in My Pocket. Uh, there's also like a Dr. Seuss ABC where each letter is just like this bizarre thing that he what made. About yeah, uh, yeah oh, there, like there, fish, there was the fish, fish one fish, too. Blue fish, green yeah. fish. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Yeah. I don't yeah. like that, Seuss. But all the places you'll go was such trash, and they read it to us <laughs> so many times. And I remember someone reading it around the time of graduation, and I was like, "Why? The, why are you reading us a children's book? Like, I'm about to graduate high school. What's wrong with you?" Anyway, <laughs> that was um, our Dr. Seuss corner here. Yeah, um, that, was, that was Dr. Seuss chat. Um, so yeah, so now we're at at Camp Chippewa, and. They're doing this big play and it's a big Thanksgiving play, which is partly the reason why, I mean, I was like, I thought this was like a Thanksgiving movie, which I guess it kind of is. Um, And uh, so everyone's getting their parts. And so Wednesday gets cast as Pocahontas and she of course doesn't want to participate at all. And so her Pugsley and Joel all have to go to the Harmony Hut. And this is where they're forced to watch like from sun up until sundown basically like Disney movies <laughs> all day, <laughs> um, which some people I guess would enjoy, but I would get sick of it for sure. If I was stuck in there all day doing it. Um, and, uh, and when they come out, this is the part Todd, you were talking about earlier where they ask like how they felt about it. And Wednesday like goes from grimace to like kind of terrifying smile. <laughs> Yeah, and I love that all the children realize this is terrifying, but the Grangers are like, oh, look how pretty she is. And uh, it's, is it Amanda that's like, I'm scared? <laughs> yeah. Like, all the kids take a step back <laughs> whenever it mm-hmm. happens. So all kids are like, oh, and Amanda's like, I'm scared. And then yeah. the others like, oh, she's so pretty. I also yeah. like the lead up to this, whenever a uh, Christine Baranski's character is like trying to, to lead up to this, like, you know, don't we just, you know, Aren't they just awful? Don't yes. we just hate that? Don't we just wish yes. they would die? And everyone's yes. like, yes. It's like, no, no, we don't wish that. <laughs> but the line read, don't we wish they would just die from Chris, who's Christine Bereski has been like so chipper the entire time. And then mm-hmm. you see like the undercurrent of menace, like hiding beneath the skin of her character. It's just like a great moment. Yeah. I love it. One of my favorite moments of, of camp life at Camp Chippewa is when um, they need volunteers to do like a swimming demonstration or something. And Amanda immediately volunteers to be the victim. Um, and I forget what Wednesday it's, says in response to that, like all, all your life or something. Yeah, it's basically uh, uh, Amanda's like, I'll be the victim and Wednesday all your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so Amanda's like, I want to be an actress. And so she wants to be the victim. And so she like just jumps right into the lake. And Wednesday is supposed to be the one saving her. And she's just like, I don't know how to swim. (laughs) (laughs) And so then you just see the bubbles coming up from the water. It was incredible. And it's like the Amanda's like, help, help. I'm drowning. Like the most (laughs) melodramatic thing in the world. It's great. Yeah. So obviously like Wednesday and Pugsley don't really fit in here. Um, but they, they have this whole Thanksgiving play that's going to be happening 
and uh, Joel Pugsley and some other outcasts as well as Wednesday end up like capturing Amanda and the camp counselors and they like put them on a spit and they spin them around and they basically like I forget what Wednesday says but she's just like because she's part of the Native Americans and so she's just like uh for all these reasons I've decided to scalp you and burn your village to the ground uh and it's I feel like that is a gif I have seen uh is of Wednesday saying that well yeah this is a very highly gifable movie Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she basically uh, gives this little speech about how she is seeing the because at first it's at first they're like going through it and they're acting like everything is like they're playing along with the play and she's like complimenting a uh, Amanda's character as the most beautiful person ever and then they start to break breath and then she's like stop. Uh, the our gods have come to us and told us of the future and our people will be forced to live in you know yes. trailers on reservations your people will drive stick shifts we will be forced to do this you will drink highballs at noon you know and so she goes this whole thing about all the like, our people are going to be you know degraded and you know they uh, you know knocked down and everything and so now we must take our revenge on you in preparation uh yeah and the other thing i we can't go past the scene without talking about the musical number yes the... oh yes sorry i forgot about the musical number yes okay go ahead todd because you of, of a, the... a musical aficionado yeah of the uh it's the, the one musical number we get from from gary's vision a uh, gary's vision about thanksgiving Mm-hmm. Uh, and the all the food coming out singing "Eat Us," and then Pugsley in a turkey costume just <laughs> some of are going "Eat Me" over and over again. <laughs> as, and as the parents par- in the audience, <laughs> yeah, like, is is that what? Is he just what? It's just like the the turkey yelling "Eat Me" is like one of the funniest things here. Yeah, there's um, so many children just screaming "Eat Eat Us, Eat Me," and it's like what? <laughs> this is a children's play, and like the camp counselors are like so into it the whole time it's yeah they have no idea what they're doing it's it's great i love it yeah just when you think the movie can't get wilder like it always (laughs) like it's like nope now we're gonna outdo ourselves again um and so yeah so they get obviously they're in like huge trouble but uh wednesday and pugsley like they need to get home like they know something is up they have gotten word that their uncle is getting married yeah they got letters about it so they need to get home. And and they've seen Joel's uh, serial killer trading cards. So they realize Ooh, that yes. Debbie is the temptress of Waikiki. They know. Here, so. they yeah, know. I love how he has trades. What is he that the only ones I don't have are the Zodiac and some other infamous like unsolved mystery based unsolved murder type thing. Um and uh and so yes, yeah, so Wednesday and Pugsley are going to leave, but not before Wednesday and Joel have their first kiss through a fence, and it's very adorable but apparently i read that behind the scenes christina ricci hated this <gasps> because the actor who played joel had like peach fuzz and she complained about it. <laughs> <laughs> wow rip i thought oh, that was so funny man um uh, well yeah. i like it's after they get done the kiss they both wipe their lips off they both they kiss yeah. they both like wipe off their lips such a kid thing afterward. to do uh so yeah so they they have to leave so they they go and like they take a camp van and they go home um and uh, we've already talked a little bit about how debbie is trying to kill fester and so she like in the scene we talked about a little bit earlier where she like leaves him a present and he's like so excited and she's like don't open it it's for your birthday like don't open it until i leave and so she thinks that oh there's gonna be a big explosion it's a bomb and he's gonna die but of course he survives but unfortunately the meatloaf is burnt 
and she's had enough. Like she, she tried all her usual black widow tricks. None of them have worked. So she just goes for the old reliable of whipping out a gun and telling Fester basically the truth of like, I never loved you. I only ever wanted your money. Mm. And as Per the usual, Sarah, in yeah. every version of the Adams Family, both regular Adams Family movie, Wednesday the show, Thing gets MVP as he drives in in a car and smashes into Debbie. And as soon as I saw this, Sarah, I was like, how is he pressing pedals? He's just a hand. Yeah, the logistics of the driving are a little sus. Mm -hmm. But we don't care because it's Thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do I think? What do I think? I think that Thing's the only one that can do anything in this family. None of them can get their shit together. Thank goodness Thing's around. Thank goodness. I mean, yes, of course, Wednesday does a lot of good work, but she's not able to save the day because she's at camp. Thank goodness for Thing. What would we do without him? Everybody would die. It's true. And so they make their escape. And this is when they, you know, they bring Fester home and Fester's like, I'm so sorry. You know, I shouldn't have done that. And Wednesday and Pugsley return. Everyone's hugging. Everyone's happy. Unfortunately, that is when Debbie arrives, holds everyone up at gunpoint. And Todd somehow is able to get all of them into electrical chairs. Yeah. Uh, I guess they seem really agreeable to everything she's doing. And we've already seen like earlier uh, whenever the family first like went to Debbie's house to try and uh, get Fester back and Debbie's mm -hmm. refusing. Morticia was just like, they're like, like respect, like game recognizes game. You know, yeah. and Morticia's like, where it was going to go, you know? Yeah. Morticia's just like, oh yeah, this, I, uh, you use your womanly wiles to trap him in a web of lust, which I can respect. And I can, you know, I <laughs> yeah. can look past all the lying and deceit and everything, but really Debbie pastels, you know, so that's the only thing that they have against her. But I think like they, they reckon, oh, they're, they're appreciative. Oh, she's, she's murderous and she wants to kill us. Yeah, we would, we're down with that. We're fine with mm -hmm. that. Okay. Let's, let's play along. Although I will say, I think the biggest flaw in Debbie's plan here, uh, it's like the Debbie already tried to electrocute Fester once. It didn't and work it didn't out. Yeah. So why do you think it's going to work? Do you think just more power now is going to do it, mm -hmm. I guess? Uh, but I, I feel like there's just a, that small flaw in her plan. I mean, it, who knows if we'll take out everybody, but Fester at least will probably survive because we've seen him as survived electricity before. Mm -hmm. And well, yeah. And their other flaw in her, in her planning is she didn't plan on baby pubert uh being the escape artist that baby pubert is yeah um but this this is a really strong moment for joan cusack like this is probably the best debbie content is when she does the slideshow and so she's like i don't like guns or bombs or electric chairs but sometimes people just won't listen and so i have to use persuasion and slides and so she has this like slide picture show up and she talks about her parents and she's this generous doting or were they all I ever wanted was a ballerina Barbie in her pretty mm -hmm. pink tutu. And so mm -hmm. she has like a slide of her birthday up and it's like a little child opening a gift. And she says, do you know what they got me when I was 10? A Malibu Barbie. <laughs> you gotta get the Malibu Barbie. You gotta get the, the, hand, <laughs> yeah, the hand slaps and the hand slaps yeah. and the uh, emphasis. It's like yeah. Malibu Barbie. And the reactions are also <laughs> incredible too, because it's Gomez goes like the nightmare. <laughs> Morticia, the nerve. That's not who I was. I was a ballerina. Graceful. Delicate. They had to go. 
I've, yeah, I've quoted that so Barbie good. line so many times in my life. It's not even funny. Though. It's so good. And so she goes to like, she does this whole thing about how like uh this is the next guy she married and then she killed him and then the next guy she marries and she killed him and she's just like aren't i a human being don't i yearn and ache and shop don't i deserve love and jewelry (laughs) (laughs) so good it's so funny like she does deserve all that and more and she deserved the malibu barbie too she is a person that has suffered so much tragedy in her life if only she got what she really hoped and wanted her life would have been set up so much differently if only Mm -hmm. she'd gotten that razor scooter yeah yeah my i would have ruled the world i could have been good president if only with I got your that razor, razor scooter. scooter. Yeah. Your angles would have been far more fucked up than they are right now. Let me tell you. Those razor scooters, they would whip around because they're you could do you're supposed to do the tricks where you uh-huh. would kick it and it would go like 360. Always yeah. whacked you in the in the ankles. So oh, I wouldn't know that because I didn't have one, Jessica. But good to know that you had one and that happened to you. So sorry for you and your ankles. <laughs> yeah. Mine had a mine had blue wheels. For me, I'm sorry for me and my trauma. There you go. Yep. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so she continues on with this whole PowerPoint slideshow. At the same time, baby pubert has ripped a dagger off of his uh, mobile and has sliced and diced his way out of his crib. He's made his way all the way to where the family is. He went up to outer space in like, a, <laughs> I don't know, what are we doing? It gets crazier and crazier. Like he shoots up and he goes right next to the plane that um amanda's family is on and they look like shell-shocked and they kind of are just like that just seems about right at this point you know yeah i think her mom like pulls down the shade on the window <laughs> like they, they look out they see pubert and they're just like yeah no yeah we're, we're done here well Mal- i'm just gonna say that malibu barbie's outfit is so ugly i would be very angry as well <laughs> It is so ugly, Jessica. I, I mean, and that's a reason to kill everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, definitely not graceful and delicate. So no, definitely not a ballerina. Not. She's not yeah. graceful. She's not delicate. Yeah. Uh, and baby puber comes in, saves the day, connects some wires, which like reroute this electrical current back to Debbie. Debbie's body just like turns to ash, except her shoes and her gold credit card, (laughs) which is very funny. (laughs) Iconic. Mm -hmm. And that is when we flash to like a sometime later where it's Pubert's first birthday and everyone is attending, even Joel. And uh, Fester is really sad because he's still alone until cousin it, his wife, Margaret, their child, what? And their new nanny come in. And Todd, their new nanny, of course, is dementia, who is perfect for Uncle Fester. It means insanity. (laughs) (laughs) But look at her face when she says that, too. And it was so funny because she's, like, just as pale as he is. She's bald. Isn't she bald, too? Yeah. 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 She basically is, like, female Fester. And his response is, my name's Fester. It means to rot. And they're just like, (laughs) oh, love at first sight. Yeah. It's incredible. And uh, and we get a really cute scene between Wednesday and Joel, uh, where Joel's like, "Oh, don't you want to get married and have kids?" And Wednesday's like, mm, "Like I, you know, I want to scare, I want to scare somebody." And she calls like Debbie like a sloppy killer, and she would never be that sloppy. I would scare them to death. 
and Joel leans over Debbie's grave and suddenly a hand, which is probably thing grabs him. And Wednesday is like smiling as Joel screams. Oh, young love. (laughs) It was an incredible ending. Like I thought it was really fun. I was happy that like Wednesday and Joel got to continue their little thing they had going on. I, I love this. This movie was so good. Like, my husband will like he was losing his mind the entire time because that was like the funniest thing ever. He was like, "It's over too soon. It wasn't long enough. I want more." I it's really a long it. movie. It's nearly a two-hour movie, and you want more. It was only what was it? It's hour thirty-four. Um, felt so longer. Close to two hours. I, I I think you've been with Adam too long, Sarah. You're starting to be infected <laughs> by his like. Oh. oh, movies are too long. No, I I I um I I I liked it a lot. I just. I just thought that it was longer. Okay, oh. I gotta be honest with you. I was watching it on Pluto TV, and oh, uh, that was the most ads. annoying effing oh, app I've ever seen. I tried to skip ahead a little bit and not. We watched the front. it on. We it watched it on Paramount Plus, I think, Look, and it only I don't had have one Paramount Plus. Oh, okay. what do you want, well, what you want me to do? Spend an extra ten bucks a month to watch Adam's family? Because you watch Survivor. That's how we watch Survivor. No, I mean, I actually, I don't know if my household has Paramount Plus, but I don't think it does. So I was watching on Pluto TV. It was torture. Wow. We all pity you so much. Yeah. And now I'm going to go murder a bunch of people and then do a PowerPoint <laughs> presentation about it. Let's see. I had Pluto TV. That's not what I wanted. I wanted <laughs> Paramount Plus. <laughs> Paramount <laughs> Plus. <laughs> no commercials. <laughs> <laughs> It was torture. <laughs> oh my uh, goodness. Yeah, but yeah. I really like this movie. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was like twisted and silly in all of the ways it should have been and just like disturbing, but I don't know. All the acting was good like across the board. I felt like the acting was incredible. The the storylines were incredible. The musical was incredible. I just felt like they could I don't know what else they could have done to make me like this more. I just felt like I I loved it all, like the whole thing. Yeah, like I said, this has been one of my favorite movies since I was in college. I love it so much. They just do everything great. They took the first movie and just ramped it up a few notches took what worked in the first movie and mm-hmm. amplified it, I think, and kind of downplayed some of the things that maybe didn't work as much in the first movie. Uh, yeah, it's great. And I think, Jess, you the, made a really good point about it works best whenever you see the juxtaposition of the Adams dealing with normal people. Yeah, mm-hmm. And we didn't have quite as much of it. The first one was so much about the, the story of Fester, who thinks he's not Fester, pretending to be Fester, trying to like infiltrate the family and get the money and all of that type of stuff that was the plot and it wasn't really the uh the weirdos versus the norm the normies you know which this one has a lot of and that's like really the heart and soul of what the Adams family is is to kind of like show their weirdness and macabre uh, nature in contrast to the real world mm-hmm yeah, it really is fun getting to see them. Like, especially when you're contrasting, like, Wednesday's, you know, bathing suit compared to, like, Amanda and all the blonde girls' bathing suits. And all of them are wearing, like, <laughs> Camp Chippewa, like, uniforms almost or outfits. And they, they stand out so much because they're dressed nothing like any of the kids. Yeah, I one of my favorite scenes is never they're telling ghost stories and they get Wednesday <laughs> <laughs> and, and she's like fine and basically the the 
the stinger is when the when the girls woke up, they all had their original noses, and all of the girls yeah. just like <laughs> scream in horror. It was very so, funny. I liked that. So good. Yeah, so Wednesday is this. I feel like Wednesday is the type of kid who actually is like interesting to interact with, as opposed to most kids. Especially when they're in the hospital when Morticia is having um, puberty, which is also a really funny scene of like her having a baby in a coffin, and it's like a whole thing. Um, and there's another little girl there, and she's like, "And mommy kissed daddy, and the angel told the stork, and the stork flew down from heaven and left a diamond under a leaf in the cabbage patch, and that diamond turned into a baby." And Pugsley just goes. Oh, our parents are having a baby too. And Wednesday just goes, they had sex. <laughs> it's so perfect. Like, oh, Wednesday's just such a fun character. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the other, other line that I had written down as one of my favorites is never like, they're just shy. Like, we're not shy. We're contagious. Just like, <laughs> perfect. It's so good. Uh, yeah. The why do you hate the baby? We don't hate him. We just want to play with him, especially his head. Yes. <laughs> It's so Perfect. good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This movie just does it for me. I'm really happy I watched this. And I could definitely see myself watching it, like, annually around this time of year. It just feels like something that should be watched. Maybe this can be my Thanksgiving movie. I often say there are certain holidays that don't have, like, movies attached to them that should. And maybe this will be my Thanksgiving movie. I think it's a good Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it is it is kind of creepy, but it's not really a Halloween-specific movie. Uh, so I think uh, with the whole uh, play of it all, I think this would be a good Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anything else to add about this incredible movie? Anything we missed that we didn't dis- discuss that is like a crime of against humanity that uh, we need to well, talk about? Just that there's some really uh, amazing, just like blink and you'll miss it cameos from a few people mm-hmm. that went on to become much bigger. Uh, Tony Shalhoub appears briefly as a sailor in the bar as Debbie is like celebrating the fact that she's about to kill Fester. She's in this bar, sitting on top of the bar, singing Macho Man as Tony Shalhoub <laughs> yes. singing along with her. And he's singing in a, a basically act like he's Italian, which is he was uh, on the sitcom Wings playing a character who is also Italian, I believe. Which is funny that his first couple of roles were a man who's Arminian was playing like an Italian guy. Like it's like these two roles is always kind of funny to me. Then we also have a, a Amanda's mom. I it might not be recognizable to a lot of people, but Harriet Sansom Harris, who was like a mm. recurring character on the old Frasier sitcom as his okay. agent, his, his agent BB. Uh, a few, she made a few other things, but she also was in the original Broadway cast of Thoroughly Modern Millie. She oh. played like the she was the villain in Thoroughly Modern Millie. That's kind of like a, a white slavery uh, character. In oh, that. she's she was in an episode of Hacks, apparently. That's interesting because she yeah. looked recognizable to me, but not to the point where I was like could pinpoint what I had seen her in. Yeah, um, much, much like Peter McNichol, she's one of the people that's like had just like one off appearances in tons. She's like an episode of Supergirl, I know, and yeah. a whole bunch of different things. But she'll always be BB from uh, Frasier to me because it's like a very iconic character for her. Uh, Joel's dad was Barry Sonnenfeld, aka the director of the film. So a uh, Barry Ooh. Sonnenfeld put himself in the film. Oh, as, that's fun. As the, the father there. And we didn't really talk about Carol Kane that much. Like you mentioned her at one point. but Oh, she yes. She's the grandma, right? She's the granny. And she wasn't the granny in the first. Someone else put the granny in the first film. And they replaced with and with Carol Kane this one. And I love Carol Kane. Uh, Carol Kane, I know from playing Simka on the old uh, sitcom Taxi. 
uh, Latka's was wife, she? Simka. She was hilarious. She's also in uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That's she what was I was going to say. That's what I recognized Kimmy her Schmidt. from. That's what most people probably know her from. It's like her more uh, recent role that a lot of people know her from. But she's, she does uh, like, a lot of voice work. Um, the, the interesting thing about her was like because of the amount of like makeup and way they made her look, I didn't recognize her immediately because she's so like, I mean, there's a lot going on. Uh, yeah. But the voice, I think her voice the, is more voice. recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. The instant I heard her voice, I knew because her voice is very similar to her Simka voice on a uh, on Taxi in a lot of ways. She also, mm -hmm. if you I don't know if you've ever seen Scrooge, the kind of the Christmas Carol movie with Bill Bill Murray from okay the 80s, she played the the ghost of Christmas uh, present in oh, that one. Okay. And basically, she like to teleport him, she hits him with things. Like, she's a very sadistic uh, ghost of Christmas present. So, basically, <laughs> it's her flying around and just beating the crap out of Bill Murray and talking like the sweetest friend this voice. And she's just like torturing him constantly. <laughs> uh, and then finally, the last one to bring up is Nathan freaking Lane is in this film. Yeah, that's right. He plays a police officer at the police station whenever they go to report the crime that my brother has married a woman who has sex with him nightly. Has and a Buick. Pleasures and he has a Buick. Not a Buick. And was like, oh, the horror. How awful, you know? <laughs> and then it's, also, it's also one of my favorite scenes. I wish I'd written all down because uh, the, the cop is ignored them. And Roger's like, I have seen terror and it cuts the granny hi i have seen horror morticia hello I have seen <laughs> that feast on the bowels blah 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 blah, blah. they're at summer camp but never until tonight sir have i seen you and points at that nathan plane it's just like a great performance around julia but yeah uh but yeah just I was watching. I always forget that Nathan Lane is in this because it's such a, like a really brief role. And this is before he, I, you know, he was definitely was like big on Broadway at this point. Like his mm -hmm. role on Guys and Dies, Guys and Dolls, and his Nathan Detroit definitely had happened before that because that happened while I was in high school because that was like my introduction to him whenever he was making the rounds of all the talk shows, performing stuff. So this was after that. So he was a big deal on Broadway, but movie wise, he'd been in some things. He'd always been in some things, but the Birdcage hadn't come out yet. That'd be like a couple years down the road that's like his like big super breakout thing mm -hmm. uh so this is like this he's like kind of a name but not a real name so he gets a little bit more of a scene than some other people do but it's just like it's always so bizarre to see nathan lane suddenly here as the uh the desk sergeant at the police station yeah that was wild because like you said it was just like oh there's monk oh there's nathan lane what is happening like <laughs> they're barely there blink and you miss it like you said they're barely there but it's still relevant to like point them out of like this movie has so many famous people and so yeah. many talented people in it. Yeah, and um, I'm going through it. I just realized David Hyde Pierce uh, was in this oh, as the wow. delivery room. He's the delivery room doctor, so we don't really even see him, but he's who uh, delivers the baby. Uh, yeah, that is wild. Jeez. Um, yeah, this movie was incredible. Like, I definitely would watch it again. I understand why people would be obsessed with it, like, especially if you were a kid. Like, it, it kind of hits that sweet spot of being like over the top and really funny and kind of slapsticky. Like I said, like a lot of the hijinks feel very home alone-esque. Um, so I can see why people really, really love it. Um, but I don't know. Are there any other Adams family movies that are in the 90s that we need to be considering for next year? This must be it, right? Um, I know they made some other Adam's Family films. I not know if they were in the 90s, and they don't have any of this cast. Mm -hmm, um, so I don't know yeah. if there's any a uh, 
anything else that's really uh, worth uh, covering. You might just have to see what else Christina Ricci did in the, in the 90s. Because we already covered so much of what she's done. <laughs> probably, we could probably yeah, find what did, more. What, did she not, yeah. what have we not done, actually? That's a good question. Let's see. There's that darn cat. Never heard of that. Uh, she, apparently, she was in Little Red Riding Hood. There's a Little Red Riding Hood movie. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which I uh, I think I read the book, but I've never seen the movie. The movie's uh, so, wild. The movie is definitely wild. It's I've like heard a, that. Yeah. a big drug trip of a movie, basically, because that's what the, <laughs> the book is. But it's it is, like, yeah. It's, it's under S. Thompson, and I, I think that uh, Terry Gilliam does a, I believe it's a Terry Gilliam film, does a pretty good job of uh, capturing all that bizarreness. Yeah. So there was like, uh, in 1998, there was a direct-to-video movie called Adam's Family Reunion. Um, oh. oh, but uh, I've never seen it, but a uh, Gomez is played by Tim Curry in it. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. And it looks like Morticia might be Daryl Hannah. Yeah, Morticia is Daryl Hannah. So Tim Curry and Daryl Hannah as Gomez and Morticia. That's a and really And what year did that come out? That was 1998. Oh, so there we go. I don't, I don't know if it's any good, but a, uh, it has a couple of big names uh, starring in it so all right who knows we're gonna have to give it a go Haley duff is in it oh <laughs> we're definitely, we gonna, definitely gonna have to give it a go <laughs> good god um all right well this was this was incredible todd thank you for not only being like you need to watch this movie but also coming on to chat with us about it and thankfully you didn't get thrown off the roof by sarah yeah, yet, yet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure as soon as my back is turned, something's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to be like, uh, keep an eye out on her. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, I'm, I'm glad for <laughs> our road trip, because if this if this had happened before the road trip, that you'd be terrified. Might, like, you know, yeah. If, if the 16 hours to and from New York, uh, there have been like many opportunities for Sarah to have done horrible things to me. So. I did. And I was such a good little bean. I did nothing. I slept a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, like uh, Adam has one rule. You can't, if you're in the front seat, you can't sleep. But I was literally sleeping the whole fucking time. <laughs> Broke that rule. I did. Um, Todd, where can people find you? What else do you have going on? What do you want to plug? So you can find me uh, on most social media platforms as Librarian Todd, because Todd Librarian is too many characters. You can find me every week, pretty much. We took a little bit of a break recently because, again, Adam, Sarah, and I were on a road trip to go uh, see Jess and other people. Uh, so we took a little bit of a break for one indescribable podcast, but we are back now. Uh, we are getting ready to start our coverage of Girls 5 Eva. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to that. It's what the first show that we're covering that I haven't seen all of. So it's going to be, I've Ooh. seen a couple episodes, but I haven't seen everything. I'm going to try really hard not to binge watch it all, uh, but we'll see how my uh, willpower holds up on that. But you can find out more about that podcast over uh, on Twitter at 1CXG Podcast. Uh, also, I am going to be covering a show on post show recaps uh, starting uh, this following week. Uh, the new Goosebumps TV series wow. is going to be dropping five episodes at once on Friday the 13th. So Melissa Woodward mm -hmm. and I are going to be uh, covering that. Uh, Melissa, who hates horror, and me, who is a horror fiend. So I think we bet Melissa is a big YA person. So uh, we kind mm -hmm. of balance each other out that way. So uh, we, we started getting some episodes in the can in preparation. It's been a lot of fun. So uh, be sure to check that out. So exciting. And also from the 90s and terrified me. Um, so <laughs> I can't wait for that. 
Uh, Sarah, anything you would like to plug or promote? Uh, no, just happy Halloween. And, um, oh, ooh, oh, I mean, no, that's it. That's it. Do you want to talk about the next movie that we're going to be covering in this yes. month of October? Yeah. One of my favorite, um, spooky movies or Halloween adjacent movies is The Craft. And we are covering that with my good friend, Alex Sadai, um, who is actually starting a new podcast um, called like the Queens of Fantasy, which I'm really excited about. And um, so we're going to welcome her on in a few weeks and talk the craft, which um, is one of my favorite movies. But I don't think Jess has seen it. Never seen it. Can't wait. I'm ready <laughs> to be scared. Um, yeah. Uh, over here, you could find me at the Jess Sterling. I'm over on Pusher Recaps. Uh, Grace and I launched a new podcast, Full Spoiler Recaps, where we are talking about a show and full spoilery detail. Um, you can listen to our coverage of the Continental from the world of John Wick and hear me talk about action stuff, which is pretty rare to hear that. Um, and Josh and I are finishing up Billions, which only has a few more episodes until the show is done. Uh, which is a ton of fun community is now over and gosh beyond that i'm sure i have other stuff going on but just follow me on twitter you'll see all of it at the just sterling and you could find us at shit 90s pod on twitter and instagram of course shit 90s pod.com and if you want to send us in any feedback shit 90s pod at gmail.com we're finishing up dawson's creek we have one more podcast to go until we are completely done which is wild um but stay tuned because we have a lot more on the horizon for us uh, thank you everyone for listening and we will talk to you all next time. Have a good one. Bye. Just ask. Shit 90 shows taught me.